Friends, today's text about prayer adds to Jesus' earlier teaching about that same subject in the Sermon on the Mount. In his model prayer, Jesus teaches us to pray for the consummation of God's reign as king, for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. He later informs us that God already knows all about us, including our joys and struggles, before we ever utter a single word in prayer. With all that being said, if God already has a plan for the future, and if God already knows our needs, then why bother to pray? Why bother to pray? Jesus responds to that question by issuing us an invitation to pray and then by describing God's desire for an intimate relationship with each one of us before giving us a challenge at the very end of today's reading. It's found in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7, verses 7 through 12. Let's hear it now as Elaine Carlson reads it for us. The scripture this week is Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 12, from the New Revised Standard Version. Ask, and it will be given you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for bread, will give a stone? Or if the child asks for a fish, will give a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? In everything do to others as you would have them do to you. For this is the law and the prophets. Thanks be to God. In that passage, Jesus flings wide the invitation to prayer. All three Greek verbs, ask, seek, and knock, are in the present imperative form, the command form, encouraging us to keep on asking, keep on seeking and knocking. The three verbs are synonyms about the importance of our seeking a relationship, an intimate relationship with God through prayer. Jesus' teaching coincides with the words of the prophet Jeremiah that we heard earlier in our call to worship. When you search for me, you will find me if you seek me with all your heart. The central truth here is that the creator of ours and all the galaxies desires a relationship, a close relationship, an intimate relationship with each and every one of us. To those who ask, seek, and knock, Jesus promises Everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds, and for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Jesus then employs the example of a loving and functional family unit in which caring and compassionate parents naturally want to fulfill the needs and desires of their children. Jesus compares the generous acts of caring parents in relationship to their children with that of God our heavenly parent, in relationship with each of us. Jesus concludes that comparison by stating, If you then, who were evil, 
or sin-filled, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? In other words, God's care for us is far more than the best, the ideal parent can ever give, but it is never less. R.T. France, New Testament scholar, summarizes Jesus' intent here. He writes, The point is not that human parents are incapable of cruelty or neglect of their children, but that our inbuilt assumption of what parents, per parenting ought to look like is a valid pointer toward the greater parental concern of our Heavenly Father. So, for example, a healthy, sane, and caring parent Jesus says, would never respond to a request from a son or daughter by responding to requests for bread with an, with an inedible stone or a request for a fish with a snake or an eel, both of which were forbidden according to scriptural food laws. Now, hopefully all of you have had experienced very caring and generous parents. My parents were so generous that as a young adult, I had to be careful about mentioning any need or desire because they would simply uh, meet it uh, without my any, you know, requesting it at all. They were that generous. And God is beyond that sort of generosity. So Jesus presents God as deeply desirous of a close relationship with each of us through prayer and as generously providing us with good things in response to our requests in prayer. Now, of course, God would be neither wise nor good if God answered all our requests, including those which were unwise and potentially damaging, in a positive way. So sometimes God, for our own good, needs to say no. Now, I came across this true story about prayer recently, and I found it very touching, and I hope you will too. An older man's adult daughter asked a local pastor to come to visit and pray with her father, who was gravely ill and wasn't expected to live much longer. And when the pastor arrived, he found the man lying in bed with his head propped up on two pillows. An empty chair sat beside his bed. The pastor assumed the older man knew of his impending visit. So on his entry into the man's bedroom, the pastor said, I guess you're expecting me. No, answered the old man. Who are you? The pastor shared his name and then said, Well, I see the empty chair. I figured you knew I was coming for a visit. Oh, yeah, the chair, said the bedridden man. Would you mind closing the door? Puzzled, the pastor did so and sat down on the nearby chair. And the old man continued, I've never told anyone this, not even my daughter. But all of my life, I have never known how to pray. In church, I used to hear the pastor talk about prayer, but it went right over my head. I finally abandoned any attempt at prayer until one day, about four years ago, my best friend said to me, Johnny, prayer is just a simple matter of having a conversation with Jesus. Here's what I suggest. Sit down in a chair, place an empty chair in front of you, and in faith, see Jesus on that chair. Remember that Jesus promised us, I'll be with you always. 
then just speak to Jesus in the same way you're speaking to me right now. The older man continued, so I tried it. I liked it so much that I do it for an hour or more every day. I'm careful, though. If my daughter saw me talking to an empty chair, she'd either think I was having a nervous breakdown or send me off to the funny farm. The pastor was deeply moved by the story and encouraged the old man to continue with this practice of prayer. And then they prayed together. The pastor anointed him with oil and departed. Two nights later, the daughter called to tell the pastor her dad had died that afternoon. Did he die peacefully? asked the pastor. Yes, replied the man's daughter, and when I left the house about two, he called me over to his bedside. He told me he loved me and kissed me on the cheek. When I returned from the store an hour later, I found him dead. But there was something strange about his death. Apparently, just before Dad died, he leaned over and rested his head on the chair beside the bed. What do you make of that? The pastor, deeply moved, wiped a tear from his eye and said, I think your dad was in the presence of Jesus. Well, today's text ends with one of the most famous sentences in all of Scripture, what many people have labeled the golden rule. After speaking about God's eagerness to hear our prayers and to respond generously and graciously with compassion and care, Jesus now addresses the way we treat other people. He's just talked about how God cares for us. Now he challenges us to care for others. He teaches in everything do to others as you would have them do to you. For this is the law and the prophets. Some weeks ago, Dale preached about Jesus' relationship with the Hebrew Bible. It came earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, including Jesus' challenge to his followers that in order to enter God's kingdom, our righteousness must exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees. Jesus' statement about treating others as we would like to be treated ourselves is yet another example of the greater righteousness to which Jesus calls us. Now, saying similar to the golden rule are usually formed in a negative form. For example, the great Confucius said, what you do not want done to yourself, do not do to others. Zeno, the founder of Stoicism, that Greek philosophical movement, adopted the maxim, what you do not wish to be done to you do not do to anyone else. The famous first century Jewish rabbi Hillel, once approached by a Gentile who asked, I'm prepared to be received as a proselyte, that is a convert to Judaism, if you are able to teach me the whole law of God while I'm standing on one leg. And Hillel answered simply, what is hateful to you, do to no other. That is the whole law and the rest is commentary. Go and learn. So those are all expressions, really, of the golden rule in negative form. But when you think about it, Jesus demands much more from us than Confucius, Zeno, or Rabbi Hillel when he stated in positive terms, in everything due to others as you would have them do to you, for this is the law and the prophets. 
You see, it's not nearly as difficult to avoid mistreating other people as it is to treat them just as we would have them treat us. A person might indeed always refrain from injuring others and yet be quite useless at the same time. One can fulfill the requirement of the negative form of the golden rule by simple inaction. It's far more challenging to go out of one's way to help and care for other people. In other words, the idea I must avoid harming others is quite different from the conviction that I must do my best to help others, to care for others. So friends, Jesus commands us here to forgive others as we want to be forgiven to encourage others as we want to be encouraged, to love others as we want to be loved. This morning, we celebrate the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. In it, we look back on Christ's sacrificial death and experience his redeeming love and grace. As we do so, we're reminded of Paul's statement when he writes, Christ loved us and gave himself for us. As we receive the sacrament, we also commune with the risen Christ who is spiritually present among us in this sacred meal. As we ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit so we may be enabled and strengthened to treat others as we want others to treat us. And finally, the sacrament points ahead. It gives us a foretaste of the future banquet and joyful reunion with Christ and all the faithful in God's eternal kingdom. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed are those who take refuge in God our Savior. Amen.